Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoyed today's SDG Talks podcast. And, um, and yeah, it's great to have you on the show on uh, SDG Talks and for us to be able to talk a little bit about coronavirus, which is on everybody's <laughs> minds and which everybody knows plenty about. But, um, but what I was looking to find out a little bit more from you about was, of course, everyone knows a lot about the physical, or the, the financial strains that we've been seeing on the world and the, the impacts we've seen on job loss and on everyone being stuck at home and on the economic downturn but how do you think that the current situation has been affecting the health and well-being of people around the world Mm -hmm. i think i think just the change that coronavirus is bringing you know the new realities of working from home um Mm. temporary or even permanent employment um, homeschooling for children um lack of physical contact with your family members, friends, colleagues, and loved ones. I think it's impacting our mental health and, you know, physical health in, in, in various ways. And I think the, the constant of the pandemic is that it has affected each one of our mental health by one degree or another, you know, just, just mm. the uncertainty of what's going to come, um, the anxiety, even in some cases, or just regretting mm. the past even, or why didn't I take such and such an action before? I think with the, f- the financial strain or, you know, the economic and social strain it brings, just, just the mental, just the mental health strain it brings, um, you know, the, from the isolation, the uncertainty and the stress has increased. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. all around the world, uh, depression, uh, domestic violence, um, suicide rates has, has even increased. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, although we have, you know, when, when we go out to the real world and we face stress or we face uncomfortable situations or feelings, what we usually do is, you know, we go out, we distract ourselves, we socialize, we hang out with friends. But mm. now in, with the situation of coronavirus that we're in, we're in a lockdown, um, yes, we have the online world. So we can, you know, go to social media, watch Netflix, uh, but they have their limits, right? Mm. We, you can't do it all the time. Um, and although we do it to distract ourselves, uh, if we do it more more than needed or, or more than a certain limit, we all, we always usually do it more than needed anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it even worsens our health mental health problems even more. You know, mm-hmm. using Instagram mm-hmm. constantly or just watching everyone's stories will just bring bring it negative. Destroy you. Exactly, it drains us down even more. And and what's really interesting is the fact that. You know, it's it, it's all this mental health. I mean, besides the financial, social impact, the mental health impact is also being felt more in developing countries. That is like low and middle income countries. Um, I mean, financially and economically, COVID-19 will push about 71 million people to extreme poverty, uh, according to World Bank figures. Already, it's it's the low and middle income countries that are at most risk. Just two days ago, mm. I, I opened Gulf News, the UAE paper where I actually currently live, and it said mm. that Pakistan is in a mental health crisis and 79 of, of Pakistanis who were 
who were surveyed uh, reported mm. to have extreme, extreme levels of stress and anxiety from losing a loved one, losing a job, um, and, or just the uncertainty of what it brings. I read another paper mm. um, again and again that India is in a global mental health crisis. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's triggered massively. Um, mm. And that's going to be the next big public policy issue. Um, in Haiti, domestic violence has, has increased uh, and all, you know, first of all, they don't have the infrastructure to deal with COVID cases, let yeah. alone mental health cases. Uh, and even like successive traumas have just been become normal now, uh, yeah. you know. Mm. So and having a psychologist in these countries is, is elite. So I think in developing countries, in low and middle income, income countries, the, this problem of mental health because of COVID is even exacerbated because of three things. So first is accessibility. Uh, as I was speaking, you know, having a psychologist is elite. Uh, you mm -hmm. don't have the financial capacity. There are not many psychologists in these countries in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the main doctor occupation that they see as a doctor is, is treating patients or becoming a general uh, general specialization or general pediatric or, you know, they don't see having a psychologist as, as something that would even come to mind. Um, second is the social infrastructure, right? Developing countries don't have sufficient medical facilities, let alone mm. mental health facilities. Mm. The, the only mental health facilities that you have is like, you know, extreme wards or for people who have extreme mental health conditions uh, that cannot be treated. Um, you know, so, you know, if we don't have enough social protection systems, enough social support packages, for instance, the government in developing countries in the UK and Ireland, um, all over the US, mm -hmm. they have support systems, they can afford to, but developing mm -hmm. countries cannot even afford that. They have mm -hmm. so much debt on them. Uh, so, so how do you even bring that up? Um, and the third thing I think is just culture. Um, the mm -hmm. fact that, so, I mean, coming from a developing country, uh, yeah. I'm originally from India. So there's this culture that, that whatever is going on within the household stays within the household. Like if you have a problem within the household, it stays within the family. Uh, if you bring it out, okay. sure. society, yeah, society shouldn't know about it because they see you as weak. They shun you. It's a taboo. They start gossiping. I mean. I live, I live abroad. So, mm. you know, my family, my family is relatively open, but mm. when I go back to India to meet my relatives or I interact with my friends from India, um, if you, if you speak of something that's not very pleasant going on in your site, your, or, you know, you're facing from stress or something that's going on in your family or your mother or your father is, is going undergoing a mental health issue or mm. just like facing uncertainty or distress, society sort of shuns you and starts gossiping mm. and, you know you're not very eligible to to socialize with and like i know i know friends you know they're they're, they're about like you know 20 30s if if society knows that then your daughter's son is not very eligible for marriage either so it's, it's a very strange culture so it's not something that exactly so it's not something that's been brought about to the forefront conversations are starting to happen but they're happening at a very general level. They're happening in newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, okay, mental health is an issue. Uh, 
yeah, students face an issue that's bad, we should do something about it, but real conversations to actually solve it are not happening. It's, it's very anonymous. Well, then coming back to the work, I mean, um, what what could sort of um, what could a sort of solution? What sort of solutions can can we bring in to to these issues? I mean, you'd mentioned before about psychologists and there's a lack of psychologists in many developing countries, um, and I guess psychologists can fix what's broken, but we need more sort of preventative measures and actions that can can stop stop things before they spin out of control for an individual. Um, and I know that you, yeah, you, you yourself are an avid breathwork practitioner. And, and I'm wondering if these are the kind of tools that you think would be useful for individuals to, to incorporate into their, uh, into their lives. Or how can you see technology being something that could be advantageous to, to these preventative measures? Or how do you see that, that angle? Mm -hmm. I think, I think we need to take action both from an individual perspective, you know, mm. motivating individuals to to take more ownership of their mental health mm. and actually realizing it's an issue. Because, I mean, all of us, even even in developed countries, we don't really see an issue until it, it piles up in our face. It's sort of mm. like a hidden elephant. We're mm. like, oh, we'll attend to it later. We'll attend to it later. And at the end, when something really something really impactful happens to us and mm. it's usually on a physical level we get mm. a disease or you know we get a certain breakdown that we mm. realize where did this come from and that's when we when we realize that we need to attend to something like this mm. so I think just having those sort of conversations at a more individual level at a more public level to sort of remove that I mean in developing countries remove that taboo almost yeah um, to that of just having more open, vulnerable conversations that, yes, it's an issue. I'm facing this issue. How can we deal with it? Having support groups, mm. Uh, mm. making it okay to have a phase and not be ostracized mm. in, in developing mm. countries. Um, so mm. I think public mm. conversation is important. And even though it's increasing, um, it, it's, not, it's not yet there. I mean, I, I do know students, for instance, when I was, I was student and I used to go back to, to India. I I, I'll keep bringing India because yeah, I know, and even, and even China, um, students commit a, more than, more than 90 lakh. I don't know. How do you say, it. I mean, there's, there's an, I think a, a lakh is a hundred thousand, right? Yeah. 900,000 uh, students commit suicide because they're just so pressured to perform and they don't get into the dream university. They don't, or they they can't they feel they can't meet their parents' expectations, and now that's becoming now that's been forefront to the issue. And so now they have like suicide helplines and call lines, but it, it's still not it's still not there. So recently, mm. again, a Bollywood actor committed suicide. And now it's bringing into forefront the whole you know nepotism and all this you know how we need to attend to our mental health. But it's very on mm. and off. Mm. It's it's triggered mm. by an event or a death. Which could have been prevented if it, you know, if we if we dealt with it better. Um, so mm. I think public conversation, but I also think yeah. government action is missing, um, and this is both worldwide, both in developing and developed countries. Mm. Uh, so you know, mental health is is just literally mentioned as a passing comment in the SDGs. It's not. Mm, it's I was not about a, to ask, ask you about that. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, like I think it's it's SDG 
3.4 or something and it's and it's just like mentioned with another with another with another mandate or with another problem it's like oh you know we should mm. we should pay attention to this but mm. the fact of of mental health and what's it's what it's doing to people is so it's so evident and it's so humongous that it can't be just a mm. passerby i mm. mean and you can see why potentially their their thinking is that it's covered by the other SDGs because it's in in their mind a symptom of of something, but perhaps treating the other issues isn't necessarily because you can see someone who's hitting all the SDGs, living in a luxurious lifestyle, Bollywood actor, what have you, who can still commit suicide. So clearly, it is exclusive to the rest of them. Um, but how do you think it could be addressed then in the SDG framework? I think I think like you said, I think there's this, there's I think what makes mental health so so challenging as a subject is, is the very fact you mentioned. We might be hitting all the SDGs, we might be having everything we have, but we might still be suffering from depression uh, or anxiety mm. or, or some sort of mental health illness. I think I think the reluctance of of policymakers first is in, lies in the complexity of it, the very complexity of a subject. Mm. It can be a symptom or it can be a cause, it can be both. Mm. And it can be due to very complex factors. You know, your childhood could be could be a big factor, your current mm. financial circumstances, uh, your your family circumstances. So I think there, there's so many, there's so many components to to count for. But mm. I but I still think that there could be more focus towards it. I mean, the fact that 8 million deaths are happening because of mental mental health, and that, does, that doesn't cover suicide. I mean, you know, just suicide, it covers mm. 8 million worldwide. And, you know, depression is the main cause. It's the main illness mm. these days. And mm. I recently read at the WHO that the global economy loses about $1, million, $1 trillion dollars. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one trillion dollars. Yes. So the global economy loses about one trillion dollars per year in productivity due to depression and anxiety. And so, people taking time off work and yeah, that's huge. That's huge. It, it's it's crazy. And I mean if we just if we just spend one dollar on mental mm. health, well you know, just wellness at the workplace, we save about uh, we save about, like the return is about $4 million. Mm, okay. So the, the yeah. amount you have to put in is absolutely nothing. And and something that I guess we've not really touched upon, but something that I always read about and hear about in the news and on, online, and is that uh, it's actually young people that are mostly affected by, or are largely or disproportionately affected by these mental health issues. Um, and why would why do you think that is? And do you think, it's been the same throughout coronavirus or do you think it's just become worse for everyone or um i guess it's a broad question but answer it as you please <laughs> i think as young people we're very vulnerable in the sense we're still making sense of our lives still mm. making sense of our purpose uh we have to be more mm. adaptable to change mm. and you know the news isn't, and the world events aren't happening much either i mean what's happening to international students in the us um, in developing countries, you know, international students. I mean, I know for one that, you know, you take off student loans uh, to go abroad and, mm. you know, get a degree. 
and then you come back knowing that you don't have any job prospects and you have to pay back a loan. Um, and you know, international students face about ten times more the fees than than uh, local students. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and just um, and and the fact that you know you have you have more fees to pay, less job mm. prospects, plus mm. student loan. It makes it very mm. tricky. So I think you know just the financial aspect, the uncertainty. Okay, what sort of you know, young as young people, we have to sort of meet expectations of yeah. our parents. Um, we have to figure out our life, know what to do, and and mm. it's a very it's very stringent pressure. We have to know, know what to do at a very early age. It's like mm. what subjects mm. do I choose? What you know, undergrad degree to that's funnel. Students. That's funnel. That's always tightening and tightening. The noose is <laughs> exactly. And I think you know, just being more vulnerable and more malleable, mm. as I said, is just you know real life events hit you so much more uh, and we don't have an outlet at the biggest, the biggest influencer almost is the media. It's, it's what's happened and it's, you know, what's happening in the media, movies. What's happening. Well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Social media. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's fascinating how we just try to emulate social media influencers who are, you know, great at fashion or, mm you know, traveling or blogs, but if we have more meaningful social, I mean, there are, there are, you know, social influences who are, who are inspirational, but if we had more at the forefront, it would be a big thing for youth. I mean, I think as youth, as young people, we really have to increase the dialogue and conversation and, you know, mm. really, really be the agents of the mental health conversation because I mean, we're seeing so many youth change makers out there who are really stepping up the game especially in climate change, for instance, I think we need to have more mental health champions to, to have these conversations, but not only we're having enough conversations. I feel we're having enough advocacy. We're having enough campaigning, but we really need to push world policy leaders to, to take concrete policy action. So, you know, like there's a Paris agreement for climate change. We need to have something for mental health very, very soon. And I understand. Mm. At the moment, at the present moment with Corona, government parties are very, are very different. I mean, they have mental health in the radar, but it's not a priority. They know its effect, but mm. you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not hard. It's, you know, it's not something that's very tangible for them. Yeah, yeah. It's about it's okay, how can we, exactly? It's it's about how can we reduce our disease rates? How can we use? How can we increase testing facilities? How can we get mm. more medical supply? It's it's dealing with the immediate causes that need to be dealt, and that's fair. If I was a government, I would I would say let me have first ho more hospitals in the first place, and then mm. think about anxiety because if we tackle the death tolls, then mm. anxiety will you know, normally go down. So I think yes, we need to deal with the immediate causes, but we need to we need to make it as a long term mm. um, intersecting policy, you know, strategic strategic priority. To also deal with this at the background uh, because yeah. I think and not just think that it's going to be solved by solving other issues because maybe fundamentally it's, it's something slightly different and I think it's I think it's really good that you said these two key key points which is the, the conversations and the, the the you know greater role from governments in tackling these mental health issues because throughout this conversation we've spoken about laborers traveling across India we've spoken about Bollywood actors we've spoken about Accenture's mental health issues, 
spoken about young people and students around the world and the states and you know it's so pervasive and there's no one size fits all kind of solution um so it's very difficult for us to just say hey this is what needs to happen but these two points that you're you're coming with about the conversations and, and maybe that comes down to a bit of having the communities uh, and, and it kind of comes back to your point about your experiences in India and maybe if communities are more open and you're able to have these conversations that makes things a lot easier and maybe if governments can just put a little bit more of a focus across their policies and maybe stretch some of their policies a little bit then they could really have um, some serious some serious impact and I think <clears throat> yeah hopefully in the future it's something that we'll see in the next round of you know, we had the the Millennium Development Goals, I think, in 2000. Now we've got the Sustainable Development Goals. There's going to be something else probably coming up soon. So maybe mental health will feature will feature there. Um, probably. But I think <laughs> <laughs> I think also the fact that each one of us has been impacted, you know, from a mental health mm. perspective due to COVID, because I think a key mm. ingredient in 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 really being engaged or an activist in the activist like real activist action sense rather than just like a campaigning and saying it out loud sense because mm -hmm. i mean awareness is important but action is also important i think the key ingredient is empathy right mm -hmm. unless you've been through you know a mental health you know unless until you've built through depression or anxiety you know anxiety attacks or you've been through something like that you don't really see it as an issue. You don't really see how much it can impact your life. Mm. And I think the fact that so many of us have um, have had this at a massive, large scale, mm. I think that will really catalyze the dialogue and the policy mm. action. So I think mm -hmm. COVID is mm -hmm. like that catalyzer there because it, it mm -hmm. amps up the empathy factor. And the very people who face this can now be champions, you know, mm. uh, and really lead mm. change. Sort of be like mm. mental health so staters. Yeah, there's a positive spin to coronavirus, and hopefully that will come out of it with <laughs> a whole new system of of living and working and being. Um, but I, I was actually, I like to end things on positive notes, like these conversations. So I was going to ask you if you have anything positive you'd like to share uh, in terms of. Do you have any great tips that you that you? That you've um, you would like to share from your breath work or anything that you'd seen that was really cool in relation to mental health in the workplace or government strategies or I don't know it could be community action. Um, is there anything that you've seen that's you really hitting the nail on the head? <laughs> <laughs> I think, as, as I mentioned, I think the conversation about mental health is mm. is really happening. I think I recently saw a global coalition for mental health, which is actually, you know, pushing government leaders to actually bring it to the forefront. Mm. Um, and I think personally, uh, so I've been meditating for about 10 years mm. uh, now. And I also take wellness at the workplace sessions for uh, various organizations. And I've done that for UN, UNDP, UN Women. Um, and I'm currently taking it for the World Bank Group. Um, I feel that I think I think it's bringing it more to the forefront and really mm. making mm. people prioritize it mm. as as a daily habit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think you know yoga, breath work, meditation really helps you process and integrate what what's happening inside you. Mm. Um, and as I said, you know we we 
we often sort of neglect it and reject it or just like, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's not a big deal until really it hits us back. Mm. And I think what these practices do, one, is they connect you with what's happening, mm. right? Both inside and out, I mean, outside and inside. And when you really look inside you and see, you know, what is it that I'm actually feeling and why mm. really slow down and, you know, just recognize the situation, just becoming aware of it, you know, realizing that I'm uncomfortable and accepting yeah. it, I think 90% of the job is done. Because mm. when we don't recognize we're uncomfortable or we're mm. stressed, the stress actually grows. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're stressed mm-hmm. because you're stressed. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of a catch 22 situation. Um, so, so, once you realize, yeah, I am, okay, you know, I'm just going to find a way to let it go. Yeah. Uh, and you can own it. Exactly. Uh, then no, you can no, own it. No. You don't become a victim of your thoughts and feelings. So I think when, once you start doing these practices, um, mm. meditation, I mean, the direct act is just, you know, of meditation, um, mm. but it can also be, you know, of, you know, walking, spending more time with nature, journaling, engaging mm. in an artistic activity. So mm. a meditative state is a, is a state when you're just sort of absorbed by the present moment. You know, you're just with whatever it is right now. And you're just sort of, you know, in, the, in a zone, you know. So it doesn't have to be, the, this, you know, meditating is the direct way, but any activity can be a meditation if you're really, mm. really absorbed in it, if you're really mm. here now. So, for instance, I'm talking to you. I'm, you're, you're there in front of the screen. I'm talking. That's all there is right now. Mm. So even uh, that... I'm actually going to say, I feel like I'm a bit in a meditative state. Maybe it's the bright light here and you're talking and... <laughs> everything else being in this wooden cabin <laughs> i was gonna say you know sports i find that with swimming i like and maybe it's because certain i actually notice it more with things like swimming than i do running and cycling a lot as well but maybe it's because i'm listening to music during those activities that you don't get the chance to actually just listen to your thoughts whereas when it's just you maybe you talk to yourself for a bit but after a while you can't really do that anymore and then you you really just get into this strange flow and I guess with meditation, that's the same. You're focusing on your breath or you're clearing out your mind. You're trying to focus on one thing uh, and just yeah. make everything else around go quiet. True. And I think, I mean, people, I mean, we often think that meditation is, you know, focusing on something or concentration, but it's actually mm. the very opposite. Okay. It's concentrating <laughs> on nothing. <laughs> and okay. I think that's what's hard to do. I mean, at first, mm. yes, we, we focus on our breath or, you know, we focus on, our, on a point in, you know, between our eyebrows or something. But that's to sort of, you know, sort of quiet the mind a bit. But then when you actually get into meditation, it's sort of, it's a flow, like you said. It's it's just being, just closing your eyes, which is really hard. Doing nothing is very hard for us, uh, both, both mentally. Physically, it, it is not, because we love to do nothing physically. But what, what we don't do physically, what, what usually happens if we don't engage in physical action, we're actually using that excess energy that we're not using in our heads and we're constantly worrying or thinking or overthinking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, translating all that excess energy that comes, you know, from circulating around in your head into concrete action mm-hmm. is sort of an outcome of meditation. Um, and which is why that dynamic of, you know, being peaceful and being super, super dynamic I mean, being being peaceful and dynamic at the same time like if you see monks for instance or 
mm-hmm. if you see people who meditate, that they're constantly busy. Mm-hmm. Like when, when they're engaged in activity, they're like very, very energetic and they're completely engaged in activity. And when they're meditating, they're, they're still as a rock. And mm-hmm. we often think them as contrast, but they're very complementary. Um, mm-hmm. Which brings me sort of to my third thing is just these techniques sort of raise our energy levels. So, you know, breath work, really, really, breath work is sort of channeling your, your energy through the breath, which is our main tool, right? So we just use about 30% of our lung capacity and 70, like 90% of our toxins are through our breath and it's literally under our mm-hmm. nose. And we're not utilizing, and it's, 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 it's the main channel through which, you know, chi, as they call it in uh, Ch- uh, Chinese medicine, or prana, mm. as they call it in Sanskrit, is the mm. vital force mm. that's carried through our breath. So breath work, meditation, uh, and anything that, you know, really absorbs you or brings you into a flow, like swimming, as you said. Mm. I, mm. I know you take cold water, you know, baths and showers. <laughs> Or, or just being in nature, these things raise our energy levels. Mm. And most of the time, it's just about raising our energy, right? When you, if you feel, I, I, what, what I teach in my wellness at the workplace sessions, I, I don't call it stress management. Mm-hmm. I call it energy cool. management. Because mm. when, when you're confused and when you stress or when you're in, in an uncertain state or when you're doubting yourself and the people around you or your circumstances, it's because your energy levels are low. Mm. And all you have to do is do something to raise your energy. And as soon as you do that, you're fine. This, like, have you noticed that? That's so true. Like, that what? is actually really, that is so true. Sometimes, <laughs> whenever, <laughs> some, if you're in your own head, that's when you're a bit, at least for me, I mean, I've had anxiety before and a lot worse in the past. And sometimes it comes back you know claws a little bit back and you're you're in your own head and and all it takes is having some nice conversations or you kind of hype yourself up in some way and you you get back into it and suddenly it's like oh wait actually i was just in my own head there and, and maybe your description of energy management when you say that it kind of makes that makes a lot more sense that that idea in my head yeah i mean i mean have you noticed that when you when you know don't get enough sleep or like you said uh, you're just very caught up in your head or, you know, you're not eating properly or just little mm. things. I mean, yeah, just take sleep, for instance. You haven't you haven't slept today um, or, you know, haven't had much sleep. And in the morning at work, someone says something and you get very, very annoyed and irritated over, over a little thing that should have been inconsequential. Mm. And then there's another day when, when, a, when that same person says the same thing or sometimes mm. even worse and you're not mm. affected, you're like, ah, he's just in a bad mood or yeah, mm. whatever, mm. you know, it's, it's literally the same circumstance, mm. but your response to it is different. Why? Because mm. of your energy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. I've, I've, I find that this, at least for me doing yoga and doing these practices has been extremely valuable. And something which I think a lot of people are catching on to more and more. And, and you know, you've got these hot yoga studios throughout all the urban places of the world, and you've got breath work in uh, in the office and everything. So I think it's it's only going to be positive, hopefully, mm. the the breath work wave. Um, but I think that this has been a lovely conversation, and uh, we've managed to touch on a lot of different things. And you're 
very knowledgeable coming with all these different facts about different components of mental health. Um, and I just wanted to, to yeah, say thank you very much for taking the time. This is our second attempt at taking <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. And um, and maybe we'll have a third, but that would only be uh, if we were on a different topic, which could also be a nice thing. Um, Definitely. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you. I, I did very much. And I mean, as you mentioned, I feel, you know, yoga, breathwork, meditation is, is really being mainstream as a as a technique you know i often call mm. it mental health like just like dental health uh, mm. it's about making it a habit uh you know yeah. taking a shower for your mind um yeah. and i think yoga is very it's not just physical postures it's mm. about you know when you're it's not about you know how flexible you are i'm not very flexible and i'm a yoga teacher i'm stiff but mm. that's not what i do yoga for i do yoga to mm. so they so there's a there's a sutra with sutra means like a, a knowledge pearl, pearl of knowledge. It's like a phrase. Mm. And it says, if you have any conflicts in the mind, you mm. do a posture and you'll be out of it. Mm. So yoga, a yoga posture is to see, sort of put your mind in a state and where you're both mm. stable and which is pres- like pleasurable. That's comfortable, mm. pleasurable, but also stretching, but stretching a little bit more than your capacity mm. just to see how far your the limits of your mind and body can go mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not but it's not overstretching yourself it's not looking oh you know i want to be like that instagram yoga model i want to be like that person next to me who's bending you know doing a handstand with some with something it, it's 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 a mental it's a very it's a very intimate moment when you're doing yoga Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's this time that you're taking with yourself um, and then same thing with meditation and breath work it's, it's sort of saying right I'm looking at what the source that's within me because mm-hmm. your mind can e- either be a source of disturbance or mm-hmm. it can be a source of solace mm-hmm. and it's actually you who cultivates it and I think that's where these practices fit in um and at first they may be very uncomfortable to do uh Mm. because you realize what mud you have mud we have Mm. i when i started this i was like oh my god it was hard for me (laughs) um but but i kept on it uh Mm. because at, at first they seem you know it's sort of like at first when you start it's very hard it's very difficult Mm. but at the same time when you finish it there's this weird sort of high you get out of it so strange isn't it every time before you're like "Ah, do i want to do this it's worth it it's always worth it yeah and you're like i'm so glad i did it and i think Mm. that's what kept me going and that's what gets people going it's not Mm. you don't want to do it but Mm. after you do it you're like whoa why don't i do this more often Mm. Mm. uh so i think so actually as one as one last question how is your mental health right now in this coronavirus situation you seem very upbeat and positive and I know you've got the <laughs> tools, but is it, is it, are you feeling grounded? Are you 100%? Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel there's, there's this, there, there are two things. There's climate and there's weather. Mm-hmm. Mm. So like my, so what these practices help me and even as a person, I feel my, my climate is usually very like, you know, as you see, I am like peppy, upbeat, you know, resilient, 
you know, everything's good. But yeah. then there are weathers, right? So we have, you know, sometimes it's, so I live in the Middle East. It's always sunny. It's always hot. But then mm -hmm. the weather is sometimes sandstorms. It's sometimes raining. It's sometimes mm. cloudy. Mm. So the weather comes and goes, but it's the climate that you have to attend to, which these practices yeah. help attend to. Yeah. And I think on the surface, I'm, I mean, yes, ups and downs come, you know, the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I just graduated. I'm like, oh, what would I do? Um, but again, I feel like, you know, I just realized, oh, my energy levels. Eh, just do some breathing. Mm -hmm. You'll be fine. Because mm -hmm. at the end, it's your energy levels that will attract things into your life. So if you have low energy levels, you're not going to go anywhere. Like you're not going to be motivated a mm -hmm. to take action for yourself mm -hmm. and responsibility responsibility for yourself, and two you're not going to be able to attract the things you want to. Um, so I think, and it's not about. I mean, we're human, right? So I mean, it's not about me. It's it, it's like even enlightened people, in 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 like Vedic texts, or if you look at spiritual Buddhist texts, you know when you say. It's like um, they're there. They're, you cannot remove it completely because we're human. But you, they mm. recognize it at, at a, the moment it occurs and they nip it out. The mm. cause of sorrow, that moment it occurs and nip it out. And so what I feel is, you know, being sad, being, mm. um, being angry, being anxious, being mm. happy, being elated, being excited, they're part of the human condition. And if you don't feel it, you're not human. So it's very abnormal. Mm, <laughs> uh, mm. So I feel, so I feel if you're talking about the, the negative emotions, it's about how quickly you recognize it and how quickly you nip it from the bud. Mm, and that's mm. where these practices come in. They increase mm. your awareness from like, oh, okay, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling angry. Oh, why? Do out you know mm, <laughs> so it's mm. not it's not about it's not about i feel stress-free is an illusion mm, i don't think mm. there's you can always remove stress be stress-free forever i don't think there's a thing like that mm. we are we we will have stress it's, it's what life is life is about mm. ups and downs life mm. is about happiness and sadness life is about sorry you know it, it's about this is what life is about otherwise it mm. wouldn't be life you know even if, it would be boring. Like, even if you see a heart throbbing, it has that cycle, you know, up mm. and down. Everything has that cycle, that ebb and flow. Mm. And mm. I feel that is part of what we are. And if we're not doing it, we're not living, mm. you know? Mm. So I feel it's about how quickly you're able to bounce back, uh, mm. both, both from the extremes of happiness and both ex from the extreme of sadness, because e both emotions take you off your center. Mm. So. I feel the more, I mean, I lived in a monastery for two years, so I think mm. I, I'm going to talk about it <laughs> from, from a very philosophical level. But once, once you start these practices, you know, it's, it's this point you, when you're feeling very happy or you're feeling very sad, but there's this point and there's something inside of you which is the same, mm. which is sort of like witnessing it. There's mm. one part of you that's feeling, but there's one part of you that's being there and just looking at it. Mm. Uh, and you're mm. like, ha, you're sad. Ha, get over it. Ha, you're happy. Enjoy, but don't, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> don't get too sucked in we're coming back down in a minute <laughs> yeah, does, that, and it, does that not take away from being happy no it doesn't i think it makes no, it even okay. more entertaining it's like okay. you know it's it's uh it's you're able once you realize that that it, yeah. it's an element of you rather than you yourself mm. you really enjoy it more mm -hmm. um and a weird sense of where we often think dispassion uh is something that you know detachment is something that we, you're not involved, uh, you know. Mm. But have you seen when, when you're working and you're not thinking about the result of something? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're giving your 100% and you're really into it. You don't really care whether you, you know, you win or lost or how, what the outcome was. If it was good, then great. But the pleasure is in that action itself. Mm. So, so that's detachment. So even in feelings, if you become sort of, I mean, I feel I feel this this can't be really explained or understood. But if you sort of, you know, and it comes naturally, you can't really make an effort at times. Like mm. it'll come in moments. Like you know, it mm. can come while you're running, or you know, while you're running, you get a eureka moment, or when you're in the shower, or you know, when you're walking, or even when you're meditating, mm. or when you're writing a journal. When the more that there comes a point where, it, if you're sort of See, you see it as like, you know, a little distant from you, you're actually really absorbed in the, in the feeling, because you're mm. not attaching your feeling to a consequence. You're not mm. being afraid that, you know, I'm attaching like this person who I love is the, you know, I love him so much, or I love her so much, and he makes me or she makes me happy. Great. Mm. But then, you know, you're the source of happiness. Mm. Mm. The happiness is coming from in you. And then you're like, this person triggers the happiness in me. But if, you know, if they're gone, yeah, okay, bye. But at the end, like, I'm controlling my happiness. So it just makes you mm. more it's resilient empowering. to everything. Right. It's empowering. It's, it's resilient. You actually, because we're in charge of our feelings, but, but then you actually experience it, that I'm responsible for how I'm feeling. I mean, we see mm -hmm. it all the time in posts and in self-development books and in motivational talks that, you know, you're responsible for your actions and your feelings and mm -hmm. everything. But it's a, it's a different thing knowing it and experiencing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, this is where it comes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I think I, I, I took this out around a circle. <laughs> but, <good>. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed but it. Feel, but yeah, I feel there, there, there. You know, there are storms, there are clouds, and there are mm. sunny days. Uh, but there is a climate as well, and as, as long as you take that climate out, and mm. the quicker you realize it, and the quicker you attend to it, the mm. easier it bounces back. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. just about energy levels. So you know, if I realize I'm down, I'm like, oh, I'm down. Okay, take a walk, do do some more breathing. Do some coloring, and then I'm fine. You know, it's the same out. circumstance, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really like that analogy of the weather, the climate and weather one. I think that's really cool. Everyone should strive to have a climate from Dubai and avoid the weather from Scotland as much as possible. <laughs> 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 but I think that's a really nice note to end this end this on. And um, and yeah, I really hope that we can speak again about something else in the future. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. 
Please share and follow SCG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of SDG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.